Hey guys, welcome back to the Claim the Stage podcast. Did you miss me? Because I missed you. I always miss you. Every Wednesday, I come back with a new episode for you. Today is no different. Episode 46, Mastering the Inner Game. I have an amazing guest on my show today. Her name is Linda Ugalo, and she has this really interesting background in dance and performance. And she took that and built a public speaking coaching practice to help people to deal with their fear, specifically their past and where these experiences came from that have made them afraid of showing up in the world and speaking. And I can't even tell you how many people I've talked to over the years who have said, oh, I could never be a public speaker. I'm, I just wasn't born that way or I'm, I'm too shy. And what Linda talks about in this episode is, you know, really anybody can do it. You just have to learn the steps to get yourself there mentally. And we talk a lot about her decluttering process and also how to kind of get yourself in the right frame of mind, sort of like a pre-performance ritual every time you go on stage. And I, I really wish I knew Linda 10 years ago. I just have to say that. <laughs> she would have saved me a lot of time. So that's all coming up on today's episode. I forgot to introduce myself. I should probably mention that. <laughs> I'm Angela Lucier. I'm your host. I'm a speaker and author and CEO of the Speaker Sisterhood and founder of the Speaking School for Women. And I've been speaking since 2006. I've learned so much about myself, which I talk about on this episode, and I'm very happy to have you here today. So without further ado, let's jump into today's episode with Linda Ugalo. Linda Ugalo is a public speaking and performing coach who helps entrepreneurs and professionals overcome their self-consciousness and nerves so they can be freely expressive in meetings, on video, or on stage. She has a master's in expressive therapy and has taught improvisation forms of movement for over 25 years. She's the principal dancer with the women's world music group, Labana, and hosts the TV show and podcast, Women Inspired. Linda, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to be here, Angela. We have so much to talk about today. I'm so intrigued by your your journey and all the twists and turns and how you've ended up as a public speaking and performing coach. So can we start there and maybe you could tell us how you got into this type of work? Yes, I think it was a, a surprise to myself, actually, because you know, some people say what you're supposed to do is like right under your nose and you don't always see it. Mm -hmm. I, I came into the online space. I wanted, I just felt like I needed to have a bigger impact. I'd been organic farming before and loved the introverted <laughs> state of being outside and weeding and seeding. But I realized that I had given up a dream from earlier on of wanting to really kind of make people more uplifted and feeling good in themselves in their lives. And that was what my, my movement teaching had been all, all about is, you know, helping people find this joy of movement and expressing themselves. And it really is very transformative, but I didn't know how to bring movement to the online space. So I started to focus on the joy part and helping people find joy in their working their business. I was actually working with entrepreneurs to begin with. And then someone said to me, you know, Linda, you've been on stage for actually 35 years plus, And 
I know when I watch you, I think, how does she, how did she create that kind of onstage presence? And I want to know how to do that. And I think you could help others. And it wasn't something that I, it was an immediate, oh, yes, this is it. I did a bunch of research about, well, what do people need from that? You know, what are they wanting? What are the problems people have? And one of the things that came out of it was, well, I would want to, uh, one of the questions I asked in my market research was, what would you want in a coach? And a lot of people said things that I could respond, oh, yes, well, I'm like that. I create a safe space. I, you know, really help people dig down into um, beneath the surface and I help them transform their experience, all that stuff. But then someone said to me, I want to know that you have a lot more experience than I do on video and speaking. Mm-hmm. And I thought, whoops, I better get my butt moving because <laughs> I've done a lot of stage performing, but I haven't done a lot of video and uh, live speaking. So that got me um, kind of starting to jog along and, and get some experience. And what I discovered from that was I wasn't that comfortable speaking. Huh. And, and then when I thought about it, like when I was on stage, so I'm a, I, I'm in a women's world music group and I'm the principal dancer and we also sing and we also introduce the songs and we each introduce them so that people can hear our voices and get a little intimate idea of what we're like as individuals. And the introductions of the songs were my dreaded part of performing. Because <laughs> you had to just be but, yourself or... I don't know. I think, well, I, now I have an, a sense of what it was about it, but my feeling in, in the moment was like four songs ahead of time. I would be thinking, Oh my God, you know, <laughs> what am I going to say? And <laughs> it's coming, it's coming. Yeah. Even if I knew what I was going to say, it's coming, it's coming. What if I get tongue tied? And I, I realized that there had been experiences in my life previously that had not gone so well. Like in grad school, I had an experience of speaking to all the grad school professors and other people who were kind of authority figures for me about this movement modality that I had fallen in love with. I was so passionate about it, but I really didn't have a sense of how to speak about it. And the way I prepared for it was very different than I would prepare now. So I could say I wasn't prepared. And <laughs> when I got up there to open my mouth, not nothing came out. Nothing could come out because my mouth was so dry. I realized <laughs> that you can't speak unless you have some amount of saliva in your mouth. We don't realize that if it's bone dry, there's no sound. So, so how I did was you like recover a, from that? <laughs> I, oh my God, I was like a fish. My mouth was opening and closing, <laughs> opening and closing, kept trying to get some kind of sound out. Finally, my, my um, advisor, my grad school advisor leaned forward. She was in the front row and she said, Linda, would you like a glass of water? <laughs> and I'm like nodding. <laughs> and I have no idea how the rest of the time went. All I know is that I did, you know, finally speak. I was not in my body. I was not in my mind. I was like in an, um, you know, I was not at all present. And I went away thinking, oh, my God, that was horrible. I'll never do that again. 
<laughs> I'll just I'll just dance. And it's funny because I've I've taught so many classes and workshops and retreats, and I felt fine as a in the teaching role, but in speaking to my peers or my higher ups, I felt incredibly intimidated. So I realized when I, you know, fast forward or fast back up to becoming an online coach, I realized that I had a lot of my own issues to overcome. Mm. And that was the beauty. That was when I realized, wow, this is great. The idea of having fear come up is actually a gift and it's an opportunity because it allows you to look beneath the surface and think what's going on and what happened perhaps in the past and there were other things earlier in my life too that I'm still hanging out with that are still hanging out with me and whenever I go into a, a you know an environment or an experience that brings all that stuff up again I am not I'm not acting as a free agent. I'm not being in the present. I can't be present because all those voices and experiences from the past are now awakened yeah. like a can of worms. Yeah. So that was when I I actually developed my process of how I work with people to overcome their their fears by by going through it myself and deconstructing what worked what helped me and once I hit upon it it was just a matter of days in which I felt completely different wow and and then I could add on those skills of scripting and delivery and connecting with the audience and uh, playing with my energy you know I could add on all kinds of things in terms of you know embodying how I want to feel, all those things could work. But it wasn't like I was doing all those things beforehand, but it wasn't working because it was like my psyche was filled with this cluttered clutter from the past. Yep, absolutely. So, so my whole idea now is that we must declutter the past in order to have be free, free to learn new skills. And it's not like it has to happen all at once. Yeah. You know, we can learn a little bit. We can declutter. And in truth, things happen in layers. Yeah. A lot of times they can absolutely happen, happen that way. But if you want to shortcut your process, then to, you know, take a little bit of focus time to do that decluttering will really pay off. I'm so excited because I've never discovered a shortcut. All I've known is practice. The more you speak, <laughs> the more you learn about yourself. And I call public speaking a master's degree in your own psyche for exactly the reason you just said. You I get to that. have that adventure into your own brain and uncover those dark corners and open those file cabinets that you've closed the door and locked because yes. you, you don't want to revisit it. But public speaking forces you to revisit it. So I'm really intrigued yes. by what your process is to create this shortcut. Can you tell me more about what you do and, and kind of who you work with? Well, absolutely. So I work with several um, groups of people. It would be either business professionals or entrepreneurs who really want to become more visible, to be findable by their clients, feel that they want to you know, have videos on their website, or um, they want to include making videos in their teaching, presenting, any of those things. 
but they they procrastinate and procrastinate and procrastinate because they're they they're just filled with all kinds of self-doubt i don't like the way i look i don't like the way i i talk i don't know what to say i'm worried what people are going to think all these things mm-hmm. so they don't even come to a speaking class because they just already have defined themselves as um not help not being able to be helped in this yeah. but their secret desire is to do it. So then when they find something that is going to help them deal with that part of it, and they know that that's where they're hanging out is that big fear, then they find me. The other group of people I work with are people who are already speaking. They're already making videos and yet they're finding it stressful. Mm -hmm. So, what I find is that there are ways to use the same process and help them come to it in a place that, well, it's not just the decluttering, it's other processes of presence that allow them to see it as a peak experience and something that they look forward to and that they, it's expansive all in itself, not something that they're just looking forward to being over. Yeah. And, and then the third group are people who want to work on their delivery and their performance. So vocal contrast and vocal interest and dynamics and body movement and presence, all that kind of stuff. Um, because, and that's, you know, comes from my 35 years of being a performer. So those are the three groups. And and so can you talk about that process of decluttering and when someone comes to you and says, I'm not someone who can get on stage and give a speech and has all these beliefs about themselves, how do you get them prepared to maybe envision themselves one day giving a presentation? Yeah. Well, usually they come to me because they've decided they've had enough or an opportunity has come to them and they just don't want to they don't want to give it up. They feel like I have to take this opportunity yeah. and I'm going to. So the motivation is there. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't work with people who aren't motivated. <laughs> yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> that can be a little frustrating. <laughs> yeah. It's not just, you know, if someone, there are a lot of, I mean, so many of us are afraid of being in the limelight and it's so common and that's fine. You know, not everyone has to, I think that they can benefit from it, but you don't have to. So if you don't want to, there's no urgency. So, but, okay, so, so when someone comes to me, I mean, I do an inventory with them of what could possibly be the past impacting experiences that you had. It could be something that's obvious. It could be something that's not obvious. I've had a client say to me, you know, what, what turned out to be the big thing for her was this very small experience in high school where she asked to sit down at a table with some girls that she liked. And they said, sorry, someone's already sitting here. Hmm. So she went off to sit elsewhere and then noticed that nobody sat at that table. And that experience of rejection and feeling not good enough was something that she made, you know, all kinds of assumptions about herself and her worthiness and that has kept her from feeling comfortable reaching out. 
or expressing herself. And just in her telling me the story, it felt like alive again. And so what, I don't know if you've ever seen, um, if you've ever used Google, Google Docs and had it edited on the side, you know, the comments go on the side. Yep. And then when you want to close it, you press resolve. So my, I love that because it's not like we forget about these experiences, but we resolve them. Mm-hmm. So we find it now another client had a more obvious experience with her family because they were seven kids and her her dad and a means of controlling them would have family meetings and he'd have this little ditty of family meeting has begun no more laughing no more fun if you show your teeth or tongue there will be a forfeit and she was terrified i mean all she grew up terrified of like making a sound or speaking out from that. Oh. And yeah, I know. Heartbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there are some other things too. What happens is that we might have one of these experiences, but we actually really collect lots of bits and pieces from the past. And they, as we collect them, they kind of like glue, glue together. I, I use the word agglutinate which is actually a language term or a physics term, chemistry term, but it's like they stick together. Actually, it is a psychological term. I think Jung, Carl Jung talked about um, the idea of the complexes. You know, we have an experience and then we have more experiences and they all kind of stick together. So eventually the fear we have feels like this big thing, but it's actually a lot of little things. And, when we tease them apart a little bit and we resolve a few of them, it usually takes care of that sense of blockage from from expressing yourself and being free. So you clear the tube. That's your. So that's we clear the tube. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can call, think of them as crystals, or yes, we clear the tube. So people aren't carrying that stuff around as their wanting to present, you know, because otherwise when you're up there either in front of the camera or in front of an audience, there's part of you that really wants to do it. And there's part of you that really doesn't want to do it. And you're having this internal conflict that in the meantime is draining away the energy and the focus that you really want Mm -hmm. to be able to utilize in order to really be present and focused and deliver your best and enjoy it. So I love this. And I'm wondering how it can be applied in those moments right before you're about to get on stage when maybe your stomach doesn't feel so great. You might be sweating. You might be thinking, oh, my God, there are a lot of people here. I don't want to mess up. How do you translate that feeling of of cl- clarity and comfort and confidence to that mo- those moments, you know, in the pre-performance moments. Are there any rituals or things people could try? Oh, absolutely. I don't think it's the same thing, though. I mean, the work that I just described is really, it's not for doing right before you go on stage. It's for doing in advance. Mm-hmm. Okay. But for for going on stage, there are many, many things. In fact, I, I um, just gave a storytelling slam uh, the other night, and I was watching my process of how I do my pre-performance rituals. 
And because um, I do give a lot of um, suggestions and I will offer you some right now, but it was, I thought, well, what else am I doing? You know, can I watch myself? Because it was, it was a stretch for me. I came to storytelling pretty recently, just a uh, month or so ago and happened to win. And so they put me in the semifinals and they invited me to another event that was a paid gig. And, and now I'm going on to the finals in a few weeks. So congratulations. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm really excited. I'm really, really excited. And, and so, but it's, this is a new experience. So how do I keep myself in that pre-performance, uh, space that feels most optimal. And I want to give another metaphor um, first, because I think this is a helpful way of thinking it of it. I don't know if you've ever sawed a piece of wood or started to make a cut in something. Yeah. And then you decide, and it, there's a groove there. And then you say, no, actually, it needs to be a little shorter, or a little longer. And you move the knife or the saw, and you put it kind of close to it. But it takes a lot of focus to keep it in line because if you kind of you lose attention then it slips back into the original groove and you've got to keep that saw like really going back and forth in that line that you want with real intention so it doesn't keep slipping back in the groove and you get your new cut so this is how i think about creating new neural pathways so that we have a new response to a situation. So for instance, let's say you are pre-performance and you are all of a sudden you think, oh my God, there are a lot of people out there. Yeah. You immediately have to like switch to that new line and that new line, it helps if you are prepared with what you're going to do. It could be about how you know that what you're going to say is going to help somebody in that audience or that um, maybe you're, you're speaking about a place that you've traveled and you think people have never traveled there before and they're going to really love hearing about a place they've never been. Or the opposite, people, so many people have had this experience, they're going to really relate to it. So to put your mind on what you do want rather than what you don't want. So that's the mind part. Then there's the body part, which is to track your body for any kind of tension that there is and, and release it. And this is helped if you have practiced relaxation before and you know what relaxation feels like in your body. And then you fill your body with a sense of power. And you do that by thinking of, uh, could be a superhero or thinking of a place of standing on top of a mountain or any place that for you invokes power, groundedness, like feeling like you're in your boots, even in the, if you're in high heels. I wear boots when I perform because I like that feeling on my feet. Hmm. If you if you are seated seated in an audience beforehand or backstage, put your feet back flat on the floor. Amy Cuddy from Harvard has a TED talk about doing power poses. Yeah. You can do it surreptitiously. Put one hand on your hip. Sit up straight like you own, like you're in your throne and just hang out in that position. Or if you 
bar backstage and you have a little space, you can kind of like walk around like a regally and like put it into your, yeah, put it into your body. I'm a dancer. So, you know, I filter everything through like dance. I really feel like our bodies, when we move our bodies, we create neuropathways and we also create chemical hormonal cascade in our body. So let's utilize what the body can offer. So it's not about like faking it, it's about creating it. So you create that feeling of confidence, you create that feeling of groundedness, of taking up space. So put it in your body. So the mind, you know, reframe your mind into how you want to, um, you know, a helpful way of framing why you're going out there. Put it in your body how you want to feel. And then I think of like the emotional, spiritual part that I feel like it's really helpful to put, find a way of putting yourself into a quote unquote higher state or a state of gratitude or expansion. So it could be, you might just say, open my heart, or you might say, I'm, I'm really honored to be here and I'm really touched that people think well of me or I'm grateful for the air I breathe and the, this clean water and this peaceful time and that we can we are free to gather. I mean, whatever opens you to a state of gratitude is going to shift you out of fear. Wow, th- those are a lot of really good tips. And I remember when I was starting out, I would get so nervous before speeches, I would actually cry. And I'm not really a big crier. And it was very confusing for me to be in the bathroom knowing there were people like out in the room right next to the bathroom waiting for me to speak and I would be in there crying. And I would be thinking to myself, who do I think I am? I'm not a public speaker. I don't know why I signed up to do this. I don't know why I'm here. Nobody cares what I have to say. I would like get myself so worked up. And the only way to get myself out of that was to think about how long the universe has existed and to think about how much longer the universe will exist and how big it is and how insignificant I am and how insignificant that piece of time is, which is a really great reframe. (laughs) reframe, Thanks. I mean, it was the only thing I could do because all the stuff you just mentioned, I feel like I had to be two more years into public speaking in order for it to work because I was so nervous Mm. and shy that I couldn't even get there you know do you see that happen with some people or do you feel like just trying these things and practicing them and then believing them it works or or do you think like everybody just kind of needs to develop their own process well truthfully I've found that it works with everyone (laughs) I work with (laughs) and it doesn't take that long I mean I think we, there are a couple of, you know, what you just mentioned also is really key is how you talk to yourself. And one of the things I work with people right away is their self-talk because if, so can you say that those things again to me? Yeah. Uh, why like Linda? No, but say it to me. Like, why are you here, Linda? Like say, if you're saying it to me, say all those same things again. Okay. Who do you think you are and why are you here? And nobody cares what you have to say. And these people are here because they think they're going to learn something from you, but you have nothing important to, to tell them. Yeah. So would you really say that to me? <laughs> no. <laughs> would you ever say that to me? No. And, and I think that's what we feel like we have license to say such things to ourselves. Yeah. 
We do. And somehow our culture supports that. It's so damaging. Mm -hmm. So, so damaging. And if you have to fight and get over that kind of, like, if you had someone next to you saying that to you all the time, would you like them? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Would you want to be around them? No. No. You'd say, get out of here. You are a total bummer. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want, but somehow when it's inside our heads, we accept it. Yeah. So that's a good first step then to notice your self-talk, right? Notice what you're telling yourself about what you can do and who you are, because that can help you to get insight and then also separate you from when you get to that moment of giving a speech, you can recognize, okay, that stuff's going to happen. But now I'm going to come from a place of gratitude and power and confidence, right? Absolutely. That's why I say when you clear up those old stuff and the self-talk is I include in that clutter, when you clear that up, you are so much freer. I really wish I met you like 10 years ago. That would have oh, been I wish, really I know. helpful. <laughs> I know. Because the public speaking journey is so personal and it can feel so lonely. Like, especially for me, I didn't know anybody who was trying to become a public speaker. I knew a lot of people in Toastmasters, but I didn't have any close friends or, you know, people in my age group who were also going through it. So I felt like, oh man, I'm all alone in my head with this bully who's constantly telling me I really suck at public speaking. That's so it would have right. been really nice to have you there. <laughs> yeah, but you know, but look what you were able to accomplish in spite of that. And that's amazing. That Thanks. really is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely been the most significant journey of my life. And I'm so grateful for it too, because it really taught me a lot about myself. And it sounds like in your work, when you work with a client, it's it's a really insightful practice for them to learn about their past and who they are today and who they see themselves in the future, right? Yes, absolutely. That's exactly what it is. So um, what you have a signature program. Can you tell me about that? Well, I think you just just described it, Angela. We, we, um, I tailor it to everyone I'm working, to each person I'm working with, because truthfully, people come with different ranges of experience. There are people who have done a lot of video and they want to go on stage. Or maybe, as I said, they have been on stage, but they're feeling really stressed. Or maybe they haven't done any of it and they want to get started. So, but it always includes at least a perusal of um, their vision of what they want to have because that is so key to embed that vision and practice that vision. And then we go back and we start decluttering. We declutter those impactful experiences, the self-talk, the cultural beliefs that we may be hanging on to. Um, You know, just like, like my client who was supposed to be uh, seen but not heard. And then we, well, I don't, I don't um, always work with content because a lot of times my clients already have content they're going to be using, but I can work with people with content. Um, so scripting what they're going to be or outlining their, their talk. But I tend to focus more on the overcoming the nerves, the learning how to be present. So it's like mastering the inner game and the delivery. So those are the pieces of clearing out, 
embedding the new, creating the new neural pathways. We, I have different kinds of processes of helping people to become comfortable being seen and heard and relaxing, finding their sense of relaxation and presence and connection and, you know, kind of like all these expansive neuropathways that make you feel larger and bigger and more capable. Yeah. Could you, um, can we talk about that for a second? How to teach people to feel more confident and comfortable being seen and heard? Is there, is it, can you, can you walk us through that or give an example of how you've helped someone with that in the past? Cause I think that's such a huge piece of it is being okay with taking up space in the world. And I keep yeah. noticing women, especially apologizing all the time. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I bumped into you. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I made a noise. Oh, I'm sorry. I spoke too loudly. It's like, why, why are we apologizing so much? What if we just became more confident with taking up that space and being seen and heard? Do you talk about that stuff? And what do you say about it? Yeah. Well, you know, it reminds me, have you ever read Tara Moore playing big, big? No. She has a book called playing big. And I, uh, I heard her in her book, and I've also heard her on TV, speak about this very thing, like even in emails, like we might say, oh, I'm so sorry, or, and just how we, we put all these words in, or, you know, I hope I'm not interrupting you, or that we can just cut those things out. And if we become aware of them and just cut them out. But in terms of... Um, so anyway, I recommend I recommend that book for people. I think it's very helpful. She talks about dealing with the inner critic and and how to to show up unapologetically. I think she does a great job. So I, I just want to you know nod to her. <laughs> and um, what was the other thing that you asked about that about taking up more space? Is that what it was? Well, yeah, you mentioned that when you're working with your clients, you help them to think differently about being seen and being heard. And I wonder yes, if you could share any tools. Yes, exactly. So I think that one one thing that you did, Angela, that I'm guessing, but I, I think is true, is that as you speak each time, you are healing that that wound of that, of that it's not safe to be seen and heard because you're showing yourself with evidence that it is and I think that's one of the beauties of getting experience yep. but there are ways of of shortcutting that as well and I do that with a movement process actually that I learned in my master's program called authentic movement which is a very simple process of Closing your eyes, and we can even kind of do it ourselves right now, closing your eyes and just thinking about your hands and letting your hands float up in the air and your arms and allowing your, your hands and arms just to move however they feel like. And let that be interesting to you. Just kind of watch them, feel them, let it be kind of like, oh, what are they doing now? What are they doing now? And as you're doing that, you have a witness. And the witness is there with full love, compassion, support, openness, holding. And this builds that sense of being okay, being seen. Not heard, but seen. I mean, we could do that with sound as well or with speaking. I think that's what the speaking experience does. So we can do... Um, 
even just like doing that for a minute or a couple of minutes, a few times, it's amazing how people feel afterwards. So who would they it's do that in front so of? Simple. Me okay. or a group. Mm-hmm. So like I, for seven years, actually, I taught this process and I had many classes a week and this is what we would do for like an hour and a half. <laughs> wow. It was very meditative and it was very profound. And I, it was profound for me as a performer because up to that point, even though I think I was on stage probably eight years already when I started to do this process, I still felt very self-conscious. Even though I love dancing, I felt like I was a good dancer. It was always, oh, what do people think of me? Am I doing this okay? Does it look good? I was just like in my head about it. Once I learned this process, I released all of that. I just became, allowed myself to be in my experience and let people witness me. Hmm. And from that time on, I could, I could do that on, on stage. When I was dancing, I could do that with cameras on me. I was in Morocco or Bulgaria with national TV, five cameras, and I just, you know, I'm, I'm doing my thing. I'm feeling it from the inside, and I'm just letting people witness. What did you notice so, happening in your body when you did that the first time? What was the feeling like? Well, the first time, it wasn't so natural. The first time, it was like, oh, I'm really aware of being watched. Yeah. So it brought up that sense of awareness of the other. Mm-hmm. But after a bit of time, your body relaxes because you feel and experience the that there's no danger. There's nothing to defend. There's, it's just in our imagination. Really? Yeah. So we change our imagination. Our imagination is so powerful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that... And, and I think that the what I'm really working with is helping people harness their imaginations and their attention. I love so that. So that, yeah. That's so nice. Well, let's jump into the five questions I ask everybody. Um, let's go to number one. What's the number one piece of advice you have for women who want to be well-known speakers? Hmm. Is, what is the operative word there? Speaker or well-known? <laughs> <laughs> well-known. <laughs> well-known. Uh, you have to become visible. You have to get yourself visible. So that might be going out and doing podcasts. It might be um, speaking as much as you can. It might be speaking live on Facebook uh, or streaming live what you're doing, but putting yourself out in a consistent way. Mm-hmm. Number two, do you have a personal operating philosophy? And if so, what is it? I think it would be that I, it's, if you're going to be doing something, it's worth enjoying it. So find a way to embrace it. Love it. Number three, what advice would you give to your 25 year old self? oh gosh oh I would probably say don't stop just keep going Hmm. 
Any reason yeah, why? Don't, well, I think I was, um, yeah, I'm trying to put myself, I'm, I'm far away from 25, so. <laughs> <laughs> It's hard to think. Okay, what was I doing when I was 25? I guess it was don't don't let other people determine. This is what it would be. Don't let other people determine what you can and cannot do. Yes. And number four, what advice do you have for your 75-year-old self? It's not over yet. <laughs> <laughs> and number five, if you had to pick one object to represent yourself, what would you pick? Uh, I think it would be a perennial flower. Oh, why is that? Well, probably because it it has cycles. It ebbs and flows. It's always comes back and it's always beautiful and it has its yeah, it has its seasons. Yeah. I love it. And lastly, what does it mean to you to claim the stage? It feels like an embrace. It feels like if I were, when I stand on stage and I try to do this before I perform, like before an audience comes in or surreptitiously in the corner, I stand on stage, I put my arms out and I feel like I'm embracing the room. Oh, that's so and that nice. my, yeah. And just feeling like I feel my energy reaching all the corners of the, of the environment and yeah, filling it up. You've given us so many great ideas on this episode to think about how we want to show up and how we want to connect with our audience and and bring the love and the gratitude and the power and confidence we already have. And I love that about your work because it's it's so real, you know, and it's it's personal. And everything you've said just makes me feel like public speaking is an opportunity to get to know yourself and to get closer to other people, even though it feels like you're far away because maybe you're on a stage and there's a lot of distance between you and everybody else. But what you're talking about is coming closer and, and building a connection. And I really love that. So I mm. want to, I want to know for everyone listening, how can they get in touch with you if they want to learn more about your signature program or your coaching or your podcast or your TV show or anything else you're working on? Yeah. <laughs> well, I do have a, what I call the fear to fabulous blueprint and you can, and it's, it kind of goes through all of my, um, the inner mastering, the inner game. And you can get that at my website, www.lindaugelow, that's U-G-E-L-O-W.com forward slash blueprint. So you can get that and that would um, bring you into my community and you would, you know, hear about what I'm doing and what I'm offering. You can also just go to my website and my TV show and podcast is also on the website. It can be found on YouTube or iTunes, but my website is a good central place. Excellent. And I will also link to your website in the show notes for anyone who wants to check that out. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today and helping us to master that inner game because that is such a huge piece of public speaking. And the better we are at that, the better we can be when we get up on stage. So thanks for being here. So glad. So glad to be here, Angela. Thanks for having me. How great was she? I'm such a huge fan. Like I said at the end of the interview, the amount of heart and love and care she brings to this work is so important and it's just so admirable because 
she really gets what public speaking is. And I think if we all can approach public speaking as an opportunity to connect with ourselves and connect with others, we can be doing some really great work in the world. So I hope you'll consider what she shared today and really add it to your public speaking practice in whatever way feels good to you. I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. If you like today's show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. The more people who rate it and review it, the more people can find it. And then we share more of our awesome public speaking gifts and advice with the world. So you can go to iTunes, very simple, write a quick review, uh, put in a rating, and I'll be sending you virtual hugs and kisses. Promise. All right, you guys, that does it for me this week. As always, stop waiting, start creating. I'll see you next week.